All right, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. And uh, we're going to talk this morning about something that we all encounter and um, may have gathered in the story there just a situation I'm sure none of us exactly has gone through, but we think about the, we think about the, the shock perhaps in, uh, in Jacob's life when he woke up and it was something else. And, um, you know, sometimes in life you sort of, you can look back a little bit and just wonder at, at how things have worked out and and you know, there's this whole trend today that says there's, uh, there's multiple versions or a multiverse of things where there's another version of you somewhere in some unknown place and they're living the life that you should have lived. And we could sometimes imagine a little bit with some decisions that we, we make and there's, there's times where we look back and perhaps with a bit of a, a sense of what could have been maybe with even a little bit of regret. And, and these times we can summarize as disappointments or, or, or let down. And, and, you know, all of us here, to some degree, we've probably felt like we've encountered letdowns in our lives. Maybe even in our dealings with those that perhaps we, we thought we could trust, we've been let down by. And, and that's a situation here that, that Jacob faced. And, and yet all of us here, we could probably relate to some degree about being let down. And we, could, we would sometimes wish we could go back and, and sort of decide otherwise. And, you know, I, I was thinking about our group who, who went over to Fiji, and I um, hope you've been praying for them. I've been seeing a few photos here and there of the time that they're having. It looks like they're ministering well to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Christian school over there and, and the church. hope that you've been praying for them. I noticed that a couple of them um, have been preaching and so forth, and, and one of the photos I saw was, uh, was Greg preaching, and that really encouraged me, and, and, uh, but then I remembered about, uh, about a year ago or, or, or so, we were in Sydney, and, and you know, we, we were having a conversation this morning uh, in the office about none other things but food, right? So we were talking about gelato, and we were talking about the different places that are now opening, and uh, I don't know, who likes gelato? Anyone here? Yeah, oh, plenty. All right, we'll go all after, after church, we'll go to gelato, but... Um, someone else's shout, but um, we, we went and we had, we were in Sydney for TNS and, you know, we were, we had finished a week, we were out in, in uh, downtown Sydney and we were looking for this place that was highly recommended, it was Riverino Gelato and, you know, we were there, we were all chatting and, and it was a bit of a long line and I knew it was coming to a close, this, this shop and, you know, I, I, split decision I made, I, I let Greg get in front of me. And I said, go ahead, Greg, you can get in front. And then he, we were just chatting as we were waiting in line, and he looks back at me and he says, Pastor, what's your favorite, what's your favorite flavor? And I said, you know, my favorite fl uh, flavor for pistachio is, gel is um, uh, gelato is pistachio. I just revealed that. So I said, it's pistachio. And he said, oh, that's great. And then we're lining up, and, and he, he gets, I, I, I let him in front of me, and he orders pistachio. And you know what? I get to the, I get, it's finally my turn to order, 
And I get there, I said, I'd like a cone of pistachio, please. And he goes, and she said, sorry, that guy ahead of you took the last scoop. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, that Greg, he knew. And instantly I regretted that decision. What a disappointment, what a letdown, you know, all that anticipation. And you know, sometimes it's silly things like that. So, sometimes the letdown we can live with a little bit. The, the letdown of that expectation and all of those things that you think about could happen. And, and some other things are, are so much more major that, that really could change the whole course of your life. And you find here in, in the life of, of Jacob that, that something that he didn't expect at all. You know, he came in good faith. He came just hoping uh, that, that he would just settle in there after that incident with, with Esau, as you know. He'd run away and, and trying to get away from the repercussions of another decision. And, and right now, he's finding perhaps a, a, a sense of his future, and he's given a, a place here where he can work and he can labor. And he works out a deal because he was interested in this girl named Rachel. And, and he said, you know, you're going to work seven years, and, and after seven years, I'm going to have this one that I greatly desire. And you think about all of the actions that really Jacob went through. He did it in good faith, and, and the Bible's careful to tell us that actually he loved Rachel. This wasn't any other motive. He had a true motive in this. It was pure. And yet what we find is, despite all of his good intentions and right actions, he wakes up, and the Bible just simply tells us, behold, it was Leah. You imagine the shock and the horror really, in, in Jacob's life at waking up. And suddenly, all of the expectation and all of the things that he, was, he, he thought was working out didn't work out. And, you know, sometimes in life, we wish we could, we could come to those situations of disappointment and letdown, and, and somehow we wish we were told ahead of time. You know, when I was younger, I used to love reading a lot of books and and, and particularly, I loved a certain type of book, and, and it's, it was called the Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Anyone familiar with those? I love those. You, you go to a certain page, and it says, you know, if you decide to go to the mountains, you go to page three, right? If you decide to go to the beach, you'll go to page five. And then you go along, and, and you know, to be honest with you, I used to just cheat and go right to the last page and figure out which was the best ending. Right? I used to just love reading right to the end and then tracing it back like, yeah, of course I would decide that. And act like I was you know, all-knowing and, and, and had all of the sovereignty that, that really in the reality of it is we don't have in real life. You know, sometimes we wish we could have that kind of power and, and sometimes we wish we had a flowchart for life. You know, those flowcharts, sometimes we read those and, and they say, if you wake up, Right? Here's, if you wake up, do you wake up? Yes. Do you need coffee? Yes. Do you need coffee? No, it's still coffee, right? So, and, and you know, sometimes you look at all those flowcharts and you could look at a, a bit of a decision matrix and wish life was that simple. Wish that every decision you made, you could see and foresee every outcome and every expectation. And yet the reality is, if you'd agree with me this morning, life's not like that, like that is it? Sometimes life throws you a little bit of a, a letdown. 
And, and you know, again, so I think when we think about it from a human point of view, we understand that all of us here, we can let each other down. You know, we, we understand that being human and, and being... But, you know, the, the, the sharpest things, I think, sometimes is what happens is when, when we think we're going down a certain, certain path and we're trusting in all that God has done, and yet sometimes it still doesn't work out. You know, and we're going to turn a little bit into, to the book of Job and, and, and think a little bit about that. And I don't think we, we can be honest this morning and say that nothing has disappointed us. That actually there have been disappointments even when we've gone out of our way to do right. And yes, if we're honest, we're even at times, dare I say it, disappointed at God. I think about this verse in Micah 1.12. The Bible tells us, For the inhabitants of Maroth waited carefully for good. But then the Bible says, But evil came down from the Lord unto the gate of Jerusalem. You know, I think about Jacob and what he went through. He was, he was in love. In fact, he was willing to work for Rachel, and yet he finds himself caught up in a tangled web of cultural nuance, a tangled web of a greed of, of a father and the consequences of that deception. And I wonder if he woke up that morning and he says, how is it that fair? In fact, the Bible records for us how he responded. And notice with me in verse uh, verse. Verse 25, and it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that thou hast done unto me? And you know, you think about how Jacob asked that question, but if we're honest this morning, there's times where we ask God that question. There's times where we ask God, what, what did you do to me? Or why would you allow this? Or why have you done this in my life? And, and, and sometimes we can't help but feel let down. And sometimes in our humanity, that's all we have. We have without the blessing of full understanding, sometimes all we can do is exclaim our frustration. Why? Because we expected Rachel, but got Leah instead. And you know, the, 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 the one that we desired, the outcome that we desired, the hopes that we had, and sometimes all we're, we're thrust with and out of our control, out of our hands, is Leah. I think about uh, Elizabeth Elliot who wrote this. And if you don't know who Elizabeth Elliot is, she was a wife of a missionary, Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a, a zealous young man who simply, he wanted to win the lost to the, to the Lord. And so he surrendered his life. He went over to Ecuador to preach the gospel to the Orca Indians and there he was trying to reach out and, you know, the story, he was killed in action. Just with the simple intent of wanting to win those, those, uh, those organs to the Lord. And later on, Elizabeth Elliot reflects on all of that and how her life turned out. And she said this, she said, I have found that life takes me up to a lot of, a lot of blind alleys. And into dark places and trackless jungles where what I would like to have added on just doesn't get added on. And the explanations I am dying to find never appear. That's the reality of life. And yet, because that's the reality, there's, there's, a, there's also an understanding, I believe, 
of a greater purpose even in our letdowns and disappointments. You see, for the Christian, nothing is just for nothing's sake. There's always a purpose, and, and God always has, a, has, a, has a, our, our good intentions in mind. And, and I want to examine this morning a case for letdowns and perhaps help us understand how to best respond to them so that even in that, we please God, even in our disappointments. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We want to thank you, Lord, for the time that we have this morning and already a bit reflective this morning about the, the times where really I had no explanation for just the occurrences of life. And yet, Lord, I know, that, dear God, that you're a God that we can trust. You're a God who, Lord, even in the unknowns of life, you're known. And so I pray that you'd just help us this morning as we just examine some things from, from the life, uh, lives of, of different people that you've recorded. You'd help us, Lord, to understand, dear God, just uh, even in, in, in those circumstances that you have a great purpose for us. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning to understand, to glean, and let the Lord to be comforted. And I pray that you'd just help us this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And first thing I want to bring to you that, that letdowns come really simply because of our own limitations. You know, um, the, the fact that Jacob woke up and, and it was Leah, and the fact that he couldn't foresee, the fact that in all of his efforts it still in some ways came to naught, really helps us understand that ultimately we're limited. That ultimately the reason why we get disappointed is because, and there's letdowns in our lives, is because there's limitations that we have. And, you know, if, if you knew, if we knew how, how things would turn out, I wonder if we would actually be disappointed. And if we knew ahead of time and anticipated that this would be the case, and, and I would say probably not, because at that point, really, we'd have complete control over that disappointment and, and somehow can mitigate it. You know, if you could look into the future and see every possible decision and lose the ability to be surprised by outcomes, we could then avoid every disappointment Sadly, this morning, we also understand that's not possible, is it? We're limited. The Bible tells us we don't even know what tomorrow brings. The Bible tells us not to boast of ourselves. And, you know, many times there have been those who have had great wisdom and have had great understanding and had great experience, and yet even they at times understood their limitation. And we at times allow the, the letdowns of life to knock us around because in our own way, I think we can sometimes accuse God of getting it wrong. You know, Job went through a, a horrific situation, didn't he? We, we can, uh, there's no way we can under, uh, really overstate what he went through. When you think of a person who, who suffered great, uh, great disappointment at the outcomes of life, you, you'd have to think about Job. And the Bible tells us that, that Job, in chapter 7, verse 17, he, it's recorded for us, what is man? That thou shouldest magnify him, that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him. And he's reflecting on, on his own life and reflecting on all that God has done for him. And he's mindful of, of just how little he was in comparison to how big God is. He, he was saying, you know, I, I'm going through, and, and you understand, he went through a great deal of suffering. He, he, he was just trying, he was a, a man, the Bible says, that 
was perfect in his generation, he eschewed evil. He was someone that, that people went to for advice and counsel. He was someone that was well-renowned. And yet, what occurred in Job's life was recorded for us in his word. He lost everything. And he lost a great deal of, 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 of even his own uh, even in his own family, all of the substance of his life. And, and Job asked this question amongst many that he had for the Lord. And this righteous man, he just wanted God to account for what he was going through and what he couldn't comprehend. And the reason why we go through disappointment is because we don't know how it's going to work out. Because firstly, this morning, I want to submit to you, we're limited in our understanding. There's, there's, there's things that we just don't know. There's things that we just don't understand. And the first thing we do when we experience a letdown is ask how and why. Now, Jacob did that. Why did you do this to me? What have I done? Why? How did this happen? And look with me in Job chapter 6. And, you know, sometimes the, the only thing that we want is, is not that, we get out of it. But if we would just be given the reason why. And Job went through that. Look at Job chapter 6. And notice with me verse says, did I say, bring unto me or give a reward for me of your substance? Or deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of the mighty? He's saying, did I ask for these things? No, he says in verse 24, teach me. And I will hold my tongue. And cause me to understand wherein I have owed. He's saying he just assumed, well, how did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? I'm going through, I'm not even asking for deliverance. I'm not even asking that this be undone. I just want to know. I just want to understand. And sometimes that's the only thing that we can cry out to God for. Sometimes we go through situations of letdown and disappointment and, and we understand in our limitation, perhaps it can't be undone. But, but perhaps if we just understood and Job Continued and later on in chapter 7, in verse 11, earlier uh, to, to what we read earlier, he says in verse 11, Therefore I will not refrain my mouth. So I, I still don't understand, Lord. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And Job was in such a harrowing state that all he could do was cry out in anguish. I, I wonder if you've ever been in anguish of spirit. Boy, that's a, that's a heavy thing. You know, Job just was at a loss for any understanding, and, and yet he, could, he, he just couldn't help but ask. He couldn't help but reason with the Lord and reason out what was happening in his life. Why, why would he have to do that? Because he was limited in his understanding. You know, there's, there's a great deal of wisdom that we can glean from the Word of God, the Bible tells us that wisdom calls out in the streets. We understand that we look around, there's things that we learn, but you know, ultimately, at the end of it, 
there's still more to learn. You know, I remember what Pastor Shemesh said the other day about a message that Pastor Joe was listening to, life will shut you up. And sometimes, there's, there's, sometimes we think that we know. Sometimes there's a great deal that we've already learned. Sometimes God has even given us some wisdom and then life works out the way it works out and life does at times shut us up. <laughs> you can't help it. We're, we're dumbfounded at, the, at what has actually happened. And we're limited in our understanding and, and our limited understanding can at times drive us to an anguish, a hurt that can't be held in. And yet, with that, really, we're limited in our expectation. Because at the end of it, it couldn't be foreseen. You know, I, I, think about, I think about Jacob. I think about the fact that he was there for seven years and the Bible details for us that actually this was a custom of the, the, the area that he was in with Laban and it was a custom of the day that the, the younger couldn't be given before the older. And so I wondered, how did he not know that? How, how did he not hear about that? And yet, in all of that, in all of the, 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 the possible knowing that he had, he still couldn't foretell and foresee. You know, we can't account for every outcome. To, to, to disappoint is to fail to satisfy our own hopes and our own expectations. And, and how can we help but be disappointed when our expectations aren't met by God the way we thought? And that's the reality, isn't it? You know, that's the reality, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not judging you this morning. I'm not saying we shouldn't be at all disappointed ever. That's the reality of our human condition. We have certain expectations that we've, been, been, uh, we've built into our, 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 our limited understanding. And so we can't foresee every circumstance, every decision, and, and all of the surrounding factors of life. And sometimes we ask God about what we think we need when we don't actually know what we need. And, and sometimes we can act like Naaman, that Assyrian general who, was, who had, a, who had suffering, uh, suffering through that, that great disease of leprosy and he heard about the, the prophet in Israel who could help him and he goes and he just had an expectation that God would do it this way. And what happened, the, the prophet didn't even meet him at the door. The prophet sent a servant, and the servant just relays a message to Naaman. He says, just go in the river, in the Jordan River, and dip seven times. And remember Naaman's complaint. He goes, this river, this dirty old thing, this is what you want me to do? And, and, and he goes, don't, don't I have better rivers? Don't I have a, I, I thought that he was going to wave his arms a little bit. Say a few words, at least come and meet me at the door. And what Naaman had built up was his own expectation of how God will deal with an issue. And so many times, the reason why we're disappointed and we're let down is because we had built up in our own wisdom and our own understanding the way God should do it, the, the way God should. And if, if I may suggest God of all heaven and all the universe if I may suggest to you, in my wisdom, then I think you'd like my suggestion. And many times we approach God that way. Many times we think we know what we need. 
I think about that, that classic uh, children's literature, and this isn't original to me. I heard this uh, from another source. And I think about sometimes how when we're asking something of God, we want Him to, to do it a certain way. And I think about the, how, you know, Dorothy journeyed through that land of Oz. And, and remember who she met? She met the lion, the tin man, and the scarecrow. What did they want? What did the lion want? Anyone? Right? He wanted courage. Wanted, wanted, a, uh, wanted a, a, a heart. And what else did the tin man want? The tin man wanted what? A heart. And then the scarecrow wanted what? If he only had a brain. <laughs> and so what did they do? They set out on a journey thinking that they needed the Wizard of Oz. But what did they get along the way instead? They got a witch. And they got the trial and the tribulation. And what, what did they get at the end though? They still got what they needed. But the way it went about it, it wasn't how they expected. And you know, in life, God goes about things His way. And God who is sovereign and God who is all-knowing and God in, in all of His infinite wisdom, He allows even the letdowns of our lives and the hardships of our lives to actually get us to what we need and how we need it. And, and Job, look at Job chapter 23. Job went through what he went through, and Job went through with certain expectations, and yet what he understood as he continued to dialogue with the Lord, look at Job 23, and notice verse 11, it says, my foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even he, uh, even that he doeth. Notice that he says, but he is in one mind, and who can turn him? He was referring to God. He's saying, God, God knows God has his mind made up, and who's going to turn him? And what did his soul desire? Even that he doeth, for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Then notice what Job says, Therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me, because I was not, not cut off. Before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. Now, as Job understood God and started to begin to understand more of God, he understood that God will do his will, that God will do it his way. And he was troubled in that. And yet, sometimes we expect that God would hold to our end of the bargain. And according to our expectation, we want it our way. And in our time, and, and by the way, as painless as possible. And yet Job understood, we didn't read verse 10, but notice verse 10. He understood it was only God that knoweth the way. It says in verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. 
No, he understood something as he dialogued and he began to talk with God. This verse that's earlier that we didn't read earlier explained that only God knows what his end goal is. That the way he does it and the way the process that he's going to take, only he knows and only he knows the end. And the Bible tells us that God is the only one. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. He's the one that understands our way. He's the one that actually in all of the secrets of life and the unknowns of life, He's the one that knows. He's the one that understands. And, and at times we don't even know what to expect because we can't possibly know how it all ends. And we stay up nights and we, we, we uh, worry and we fear and we hold God on the stand with the questions of our own expectations. You know, I think about how, how all of that worked out for Jacob. You know, the, the, the beauty of the Bible is that we get to read in retrospect what they didn't have. Right? In Genesis 29, he woke up, behold, it was Leah. But now we can read ahead in the story, and for us, we can read in retrospect, but Jacob was going through this. What we find, look at, look at Genesis chapter 49. Look at Genesis 49. And notice verse 28. And here we read about the death of Jacob, and all these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Everyone according to his blessing, he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is the before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And notice here, and there I buried Leah. You know who ended up at the end, at very, at his, by his side, the very closest to him? You know who it ended up with? Ended up with Leah. When we read that and we understand that, that there's no way Jacob could have known it was Leah, but it'll be Leah later on. You know, we read about the 12 tribes and we know that there's no way, there's no way really that he would have understood that God would have provided through him, through Leah, the, 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 the majority of those tribes. There was no way he would have known that later on through one of those sons, Judah, who when, when he was born, Leah exclaimed, I will now praise the Lord. It would be through the lineage of Judah that the Lord Jesus would be born. And he didn't understand because he didn't even know what to expect. He didn't know how things will work out. And so many times the reason why we're let down and disappointed is because we just don't know how this uncomfortable thing is going to work out in the end. We don't know. We don't understand. We're limited. And we're limited even in our power to do anything about it. You know, there's some things we can do. And by the way, if there are some things you can do, you ought to do them. But, but we think about the, the, the fact that Jacob, he, he, he couldn't do anything about it except 
accept it, to move forward. We, we see several times in the Gospels even, different people who were powerless to do anything. You, you imagine that you line up all day, you hear about this one who can heal, and you're, you're, you're waiting all day only to find out that Jesus had gone up to the mountain. Would you feel let down, disappointed? You think about the effort to, to get there and to, the waiting time and suddenly he wasn't even there. You think about the centurion. You think about Martha who rushed to Jesus just because just she understood the only way her brother Lazarus could survive was through him. And how frustrated and disappointed they must have been, how let down they must have felt they were limited in their power to do anything about it. And we're like that because we're limited in our ability to do anything about that letdown and that disappointment. We recognize the need for one who has the power to intervene. And yet what we find is we can't force his hand. You know, we can't make God do it our way. We can't make him do it any other way except what he would do. And in Romans 9, 14 to 15, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You know, God is, is sovereign. He has no, he has, he, he has uh, no one can wrest the power out of his own hand. You know, we pray and we we pray and, and we often say, and it's true, prayer is asking. But what we forget sometimes is prayer is alignment. Is that oftentimes prayer is not just about asking and, and desiring of God, but actually hearing an answer and, and hearing what needs to be heard and aligning to his answer. And, and at the end of the day, he's the one that is from the end to the beginning. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10 declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. You know, we, we have to be submitted and subject to the God of all the heaven and God's not bound to our requests. He will do His will. God's not bound to our powers of perception about all of that, what we think are His intentions. You know, you think about all of the, the, the Bible, if you've read through it, you're going to understand that there's some horrific stuff in the Old Testament, right? There's all over history that seemingly in our own minds and our own perceptions and our own understanding have no reason. Sometimes we even think the perpetrator just got away with it scot-free. You read through the Bible, there's incidents of lying, there's incidents of cheating, there's incidents of selfishness, not to mention failures, deceits, collapse, hopes, deaths, and many stories end far from our satisfaction. And yet, what we do is we judge God as if we would know, as if we would have a better outcome. And we need to be reminded in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
you know, we're, we're limited, we're, we're bound by this, this, in this temporal plane where, where time inhibits us from going forward or backward. All we have is the present. All we have is how we respond to now. And, and that's the thing that gets us. You know, and, and I think about the fact that even in all of that, we have a merciful God who we can come to. Who at times, we, we can only find our own comforts in the fact that He is in control. That He is present even in our letdowns and even in our disappointments. And, and in all of that, there's got to be a purpose. You know, so many times we want it now when God is saying, just wait. We want that solution. We want that understanding. We, we want greater clarity of what we're going through, and yet we're limited in all of that. I would say that letdowns come because we're limited, but letdowns come so we can also really come to this, come to some learning. You see, Jacob, at the beginning of all of this story, we read it early in verse 20, Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Why? Because of the fact that he had a great love for her. In fact, the Bible says that those seven years went so quickly for the love that he had for her. And, and you know, you, you, you think about the waiting time at times for what God, uh, what you desire, and that goes so quickly. You know that saying, time flies when you're having fun, right? But time flies often when you have an end goal in sight that you're working towards. Now, I remember when, uh, when I became interested in Azariah, I, I went over to her house and went over and had a chat with her dad, and, and he told me, you know, you've got to wait. He said, you've got to wait. I want, her to, I want her to finish uni. I want her, and he had some things that I had to wait for. And, and one of the things that uh, he initially tested me with was, he said, look, if you're really, you know, if you really want to, you're really interested, you've got to prove yourself to me. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, oh, I want you to concrete my backyard. <laughs> Talk about free labor, right? <laughs> he, he, knew I, he knew I was in love. And so he goes, no, I want you to prove yourself. Um, I need this done. And, and you know what I said? I said, no. No, I said, yes, okay. And you know what? I didn't know how to concrete. <laughs> And, and so I quickly learned, and I, and I remember just, just turning up 6 a.m. every morning and, and digging, and you know what? He was so gracious, he gave me, he gave me a shovel, that was it. <laughs> and I shoveled my way through, and it wasn't quite seven years, it was probably seven weeks, but I shoveled, I shoveled it flat, I learned how to put, uh, how, how to put rebar and all of that and, and, and space it out and, and form it up, and and. and I remember coming to church on those, uh, on those uh, Sundays and, and the guys would tease me because when I shook their hands, my hand would hurt because of all the blisters that I had from shoveling. And all of it was an excuse because I got to see, here's the bonus, I got to see her every day. <laughs> and, and so the guys would tease me, you know, the men would tease me about that and had all of these blisters and, 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 and after a while, he, I think he felt sorry for me. He bought me, uh, he, he hired uh, a cement uh, a cement mixer, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't the machine. It was the hand one. All right, so it was the manual one. I had to mix that. He got me a barrel, and finally I laid that all out. Seven weeks, and then you know what? It was an easy one. I said, "So can I have your blessing?" And he said, "Yes, you can." <laughs> 
and the rest is history. But I think about those seven weeks, and honestly, it flew. I got to see her every day. And, and you know what? My, my, my motive there be, was, was, was that I, I wanted to prove myself. And Jacob, Jacob he, 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 he thought he loved Rachel. But by the end of it, he knew he loved Rachel. Because here's what happened. You know the story. It was Leah, but he wanted Rachel, so he worked another seven years. He, he went for the love that he had. And, and you know what he learned there? He learned something about him. He learned something about himself. And so often when we go through letdowns in our lives, it's not the fact that we're just going through it. It's because there's a learning to be had. And sometimes that learning is just, just to learn about our true motives. See, disappointments teach us what our motive for God is. You know, it's easy to follow a God who does everything we want. It's easy to praise God and sing songs when everything's working out the way we expected it. It's easy to declare, not, not my will, but thine be done, when everything is all roses. But the true test of our motive to God is when things don't work out. When things surprise us. When things become difficult. And I wonder if we would say we love Him or do we love what He does for us. I wonder if we would say we love Him even when we don't understand or we only love Him if it makes sense to us. And so often that's a real test and that's a real learning there. You know, I think about Peter. Peter who was famously had that, that knack for just speaking before he thought. And, and Peter, no doubt, as he saw the, the unraveling of what he thought life would be like with Jesus, seeing him arrested, seeing him crucified, having already denied Jesus three times and, 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 and all of that disappointment, he went away because he was disappointed. He was disappointed at how all it worked out, this Jesus whom he followed for those uh, three and a half years, that Jesus that said all of these marvelous things, the, these things that he thought, surely this is the Messiah. And, and the, the Jesus that, that he saw heal, uh, heal to the point that he even healed his mother-in-law. And you think about all of the, 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 the wonderful experience that Peter had, and then suddenly this letdown because Jesus was dead. And he went about, and, and yet we see that the resurrected Christ came to him. And what was the question at the end? Lovest thou me? You know, in spite of all of this, do you still love me? And that was for Peter's benefit, we know. That was for, for Peter to understand, for him to declare himself. And, and what it was, it was a learning. It, it was a refining. It was a greater understanding of, of Peter's true motives. And, and really, that's what Job was going through. Look, look at Job chapter 13. And I already mentioned that Job was a, a great man. Job was one already uh, who had already wisdom and understanding somewhat and there were some things he already understood about God. And in Job chapter 13, 
Notice verse 1. Lo, mine eyes hath seen all this. Mine ear hath, hath heard and understood it. What ye know, the same do I know also. I am not inferior unto you. Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with God. He's saying, I know I can go to God. I've heard. I've even seen some things, and, and I've already, there's already some things I've concluded. But you know, he went through all of that, and notice at the end of the book, look at Job chapter 42. You know, Job went through a great humbling. He went through a great deal of suffering. And at the end, notice Job 42, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, Say so things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. You know, he was admitting, saying there's things that I really didn't understand. There's things I thought I knew, but there's things I know I don't know now. <laughs> Says, here I beseech thee, and I will speak, I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I ab abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know what he saw? He saw a greater he, he saw a greater clarity of who God is, but at the same time he saw a greater clarity of who he was. He he understood more about himself. He understood more about who he really was. And, and isn't that really what humility is? Humility is not only understanding who you are, humility is understanding who you are in front of God. And and he understood more through all of this, that, that, that there were things in his own life that needed to be addressed. And, you know, sometimes we get to a place in our lives where we've been saved a little while and there's many things that we've already learned. And, and sometimes in all of that, we think there's maybe no more to learn. Maybe we've, we've learned enough. And yet God so often brings us to a place where we're ready to listen again and ready to hear again. And I know many times in my life where I felt that I had somewhat arrived and, you know, really, when, when I think about the, the times when, uh, when, when God started to work in my life and I remember, you know, fairly young, really young in comparison to many others, at, at 20, 21, I was already full-time in the ministry. I was, at one point in our movement, the only fully paid youth pastor in all of the nation. And I, I, I just thought, wow, this is pretty good. <laughs> and, and then all of that, we, there was a bit of a, uh, an understanding and a sense of what the Lord was doing in my life in, in our church there. And, and there was a general understanding that I was probably the next pastor of the church. And there was a bit of a plan there was a five-year plan to say that, you know, at one point, the, the senior pastor was going to step away and I was going to take that on. And God had other plans. He, he accelerated that. He expedited it. It wasn't five years. It was two years I was the pastor. And I just remember thinking, wow, well, I don't know how this has happened, but, but this is pretty good. This seems pretty easy. And, 
And, and then very quickly, we went through a, a great deal of growth in the church. There, there were those young people that I had worked with and, and I had labored with and, and I've seen them grow through the church and suddenly they were those around me. They were serving. There was, there was, there's just great, in my mind, great success in the ministry and life was good. And I remember just sitting at one point and, and going, Lord, I don't know why, but this is, this is just, this is not that hard. <laughs> you know, everyone told me this and that, and, and this doesn't seem that difficult. And up to that point, I hadn't gotten any disappointments. Up to that point, I just thought, you know, if we just did this, this will happen. And I remember sitting there just really rejoicing, but actually in the pride of my own heart thinking, it's not that hard. <laughs> I should write a book. <laughs> but I also remember sitting a couple of years later. I remember after a real tumultuous time and I remember turning up to church one day and there was all of these accusers. Suddenly, people that I thought would never turn on me, they were against me. And you ask my wife, I went through a real season of feeling let down. You know, I started to think, how dare they? I, don't, I sat down with their kids when they were, how dare they? I led that, I led his eldest son to the Lord. How dare, and, and really what I would say, how dare you, God? I gave up this and this and this, and I'm trying to serve you, and here I am, and everyone seems to hate me now. And I remember sitting there and just feeling sorry for myself. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. It lasted a couple of years. I just felt let down. There were days where I didn't want to go to church. There were days I just couldn't be bothered. There were days just because I couldn't find little item little reminder that I always wore. I couldn't find it. And I just, I just sat on my living room floor, weeping in panic. I was broken. Top it all off, we had to, we had to leave a home that we really loved because suddenly we couldn't afford it anymore. And I was saying, this is what I get. Lord, you let me down. And I remember just going through that and, and you know what? I, I went through the motions. I went, I went to church. I remember sitting down and singing the songs and then getting up to preach. And I did my best to not, not show my bitterness and let it come out and hinder the church. The church still continued it, it just was, I was limited. And I remember we had moved to this apartment and it was a blessing because it had a nice balcony. It was an apartment though, but it was a, balcony, it was a large balcony. It was overlooking some sort of man-made waterway. And after about two years of just being, feeling sorry for myself and feeling let down by God, I remember sitting there and it was Job chapter 7 where 
God said to, to me, uh, are you going to keep crying? <laughs> Have you had enough? And I remember just breaking that morning. I remember releasing in the, anger, in the anguish of my spirit. I remember calling out to God. I remember apologizing for thinking I knew best and assuming expectations on God that I had no real answer for or wisdom for. And I remember just getting on my knees on that balcony and feeling this sense of release from God. And, you know, I, I wanted to say that the very next day things got solved, but it was another couple of calling out and just seeking God, and God eventually turned it around. And what we learn sometimes is really if we're in it for the good times or we're just in it. And you know what we learn? We learn also our greater limits. And what Jacob thought was a fair price for, for what he desired was seven years, he found out he could actually work 14 years for. And sometimes we don't know how much we can bear until we bear it. And letdowns are what shows us what we can truly endure. You know, someone once said, the measure of a man's character is not determined by how he handles his wins, but how he handles his failures. And disappointments can either stop us or propel us into a greater place. How we, how we endure our disappointments shapes us more profoundly than our successes. But I think also what we learn is that we learn how unlovely this world is. You know, sometimes it's the disappointments that untethers us to this world. Because we're, we're prone to love this world. We're prone to just want to be... And I can't think of any other example than, than Solomon himself, who actually, he, he, of all people, could have had the power and had the ability to overcome his own disappointments. And yet, what does the Bible say in Ecclesiastes chapter 3? It says in verse 10, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. But notice what he says there. He, he says he's seen the travail. He's seen all of the trouble. He's seen all of the letdowns. He's seen all of the disappointments. He's seen all, everyone exercise themselves in it. And it's, he's made everything beautiful in his time. It's still God's time. In this world, in all of its faults, it shouldn't be one that we feel akin to. It shouldn't be one that we love. And sometimes all God wants us to learn is that life that we have here on earth is far inferior and troublesome compared to the one that we'll have in heaven. You see, all of our disappointments here will come to a greater light in the life we have to come. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly there's some things we don't understand. There's some things we'll never understand. But then the Bible tells us, but then face to face. No, now I know in part, but then shall I even know also as I am known. You know, the, the Bible tells us that one day we'll be face to face with the one we're reasoning with right now. We'll be face to face and we can ask all the questions. In Revelation 22.4, we're with God face to face. 
in eternity we will see that we couldn't, what we couldn't see here on earth, what we saw in shadows and what we saw in part, what we saw with a glass darkly, what we saw with the limitation of our understanding, the limitation of our expectation, what he's going to see, show us, he's going to show us the richness of his grace in Ephesians chapter 2. And he's going to give it to us in vivid light, in greater understanding. Why? Because God doesn't want our affections here. God wants our affections on things above. He's giving us reasons to look forward to the knowing and the clarity of our disappointments and perhaps even the closure we need that awaits us only on that glorious shore. And I wish I could tell you that there's a solution for letdowns, but there's not. Really, letdowns, the only response we can have to it is to endure. Is to endure. You know, I think about Jacob in verse 28, when the offer came from Laban, seven more years, he said, and Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. What Jacob did, he kept going. The, The beauty of Scripture is that it doesn't deny the reality of disappointments and letdowns but it also records how it works out. The the, the fact is we can only read about them now because of those who did endure. Look at Romans chapter 4. Two more scriptures, this one and then we'll go to James. Romans chapter 4. And notice verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. So obviously speaking here about Abraham, before him whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Notice what the Bible says in verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God that through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to deliver. You know, you know the story about Abraham. You know, he had his own stumblings. You know, he, he had Ishmael through Hagar. You know, all of that. He, you know that there were times where he, he wasn't perfect. He was doubting. And yet we still know him as the father of faith because at the end of it, he didn't stagger at the promise of God even though he had to hope against hope. And there's many of us who are in a situation where we're actually just hoping against hope. It just doesn't look good. It just doesn't seem right. It just seems like it's just going to end in more disappointment. And sometimes, though, we don't know. Sometimes disappointments come and we've got to trust that God is still God. And endurance is the only commendable, it's only commendable because it's hard to do. That's the nature of endurance. And yet, look at James chapter 5. Last place we'll turn. And notice what the Bible says about the one who who's great, suffered greatly. Notice verse, verse 10, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the time in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, 
and of patience. So he's using the example of the prophets and then he says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You know how he got to see the end of the Lord? It is by patience and endurance. You know how he knew it worked out? Is that he just continued by faith. And you know what endurance is? Endurance is daily trusting in who God is. That's what endurance is. And endure what you know, endure in what you know of God. There's a great deal of things that, that God has revealed about himself. And, and, and what you don't know, what you don't know now, you'll see one day. Because now it's a glass darkly, but one day face to face. Endure in the hope of a resolution. In the end, what we know is God makes all things right. And one day, all, that, all of this seems unjust. God will give us clarity in the end. He doesn't owe us an explanation now, but we do owe him our trust. And we need to endure even in the brokenness because out of that, God brings greater understanding. You see, God, God uses our bitter complaints and he measures the sincerity of our hearts and then he helps us see. So, so I want to encourage you if you're, you're going to find that there are letdowns in life, that there are disappointments, don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting. Keep, keep staggering if you have to. Keep stumbling through, and in the end, God is still God. And how much better to say, not my will, but thine, even when we don't understand our disappointments. You know, there's a familiar story, maybe some of you already heard about the old Chinese farmer. One day he saved up finally all of the money that he needed to buy a new horse and he goes and buys a horse and he wakes up the next morning and the horse had run away. His neighbor comes over and says, oh, I hope you can get over this bad news. And then the farmer responds, good news or bad news? I can't say. The next day, the horse returned to the farmer's house by itself, but also with a stray horse with it. Well, cheer up. We're going to multiply our, our income. That's great news, said the farmer's son. Well, good news or bad news? I can't say, replied the farmer. A week later, the farmer took the first horse to his farm and he, his son took the second horse to follow his father to work. And on the way to work, the son falls and breaks his leg. So the wife, when they return, groans, we've got to spend all our extra savings on our son's broken leg. What terrible news. And once again, the farmer replies, good news or bad news? I can't say. A month later, the farmers, the, the, the king of the, uh, the, the emperor of China announces a war on a neighboring nation. He, he cites a lack of foot soldiers and the king orders all able-bodied men in the nation to get drafted into the military without excuses. And the farmer's son, because he had a broken leg, was spared the draft. <laughs> well, the neighbor comes back and he says, oh, you're a lucky man. 
Your son didn't get drafted. All mine had to go. I don't know what's going to happen there. And the, the farmer, farmer's neighbor complains and, and unabashed the farmer responds, well, I don't know, good news or bad news, I can't say. And, and the, the point is this, you just don't know. But you'll only know if you just sometimes get up again, take another step of faith, and take another step of faith, and just endure. You see, you never know how disappointments will turn out. Because Jacob woke up and it was Leah. But then in the end, it was Leah again. Sometimes we want, we want to wake up and it just all works out. But sometimes in pursuing Rachel, we get Leahs along the way. And we get letdowns and disappointments. But your disappointments can turn out the, to be the very thing that propels you forward in your faith. But you'll never know if you allow the disappointment to stop you. You know, it's human to feel let down. But the letdowns can be what brings you to a higher plane of understanding. And so go to God with your questions. Come to Him with your anguish, and in Him you'll find the wisdom that comes from brokenness and sorrow. You'll see that there's even purpose in your letdowns. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, we're humbled to know that in every part of our life, even the parts that are most regretful and even those things that, Lord, we have no control over and yet smacks us in the face and challenges us. Lord, even in those kinds of moments in our lives, Lord, you have a great purpose and Lord, you're still God. And we're thankful, dear Lord, that we have this time, Lord, to just, Lord, be comforted in you. And I pray, dear God, that, Lord, we would just lay down at your feet and just cry out to you, perhaps. And, Lord, lean again on you, not our own understanding. I pray that you'd help us this morning as we have this time of, of response, of invitation. And we're going to have the piano play and we're just going to just be sober this morning and, and perhaps just allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts. And maybe there are some things that we need to give over to God and put before Him in our complaints. And maybe there are some things that we're puzzled over and, and just how things have worked out. And yet, I want, to, I want to encourage you to just come again to the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to hold on to you. Lord, I want to endure because I know that, Lord, all things work together for good.